Good afternoon, everybody. Casey Harrison here along with Stephen Olshansky and special guest Suichi Tirada, sports desk editor for the State News. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm just going to give it to you, folks. This has been a shitty, shitty week if you're a Spartan. A shitty, shitty week if you're an MSU fan. Uh, for a multiple, for a multitude of reasons, really. Um, and before we, I mean, we could get into some of this more serious stuff on a later date, but uh, this is a sports podcast, so we're just going to keep it on the playing field. And uh, I'm talking about the basketball team that I cover that uh, you guys so kindly um, watch to your heart's content, really. And you guys got flat out embarrassed. I mean, this was probably the worst 40 minutes of basketball I think I have ever watched in my entire life. I don't understand how you go to play your rival, the University of Michigan, and you fall out so flat on your face, it's almost like you're at the top of the stairwell and you just tumble down and then you break your neck and you you, you might as well just poop your pants. It, It was... The worst basketball game I think I have ever watched. And against Ohio State, you looked flat out bad. You got exposed as a team. Against Indiana, you got embarrassed. And against U of M, you just got humiliated. I mean, this, this really shows that this team is fake. This team's a phony. And this team isn't going to the tournament. Let's get that clear right here. After watching that, oh, right. there's there's nothing that you can convince me that this team is going to the tournament. This team is NIT bound, and you you I mean you can look at their strength of schedule. Well, they didn't they didn't beat a single good opponent. They didn't beat Baylor. They didn't beat Kansas or Kentucky. Excuse me. They didn't beat Duke. They didn't beat Arizona, and the rest of their non-conference schedule was a joke. They won the games that they should have won. You, you beat Minnesota twice, and it looks like Minnesota's kind of a phony. Um, you beat Northwestern, and they're having an, a, a good season by their standards. But, I mean, really, they're, they're kind of an on-the-fence team as well. Uh, I mean, you can just go up and down the list on this team, and everything that is bad about this current MSU team got exposed Tuesday night. Hmm. And, Stephen, it looks like you have something to say, so let's just get right into it. I look at it as it reminds me of a time when the Tigers were trying to make a playoff push one year. I I couldn't give you the year. I just remember talking and listening about it. was that there are going to be series and games they're going to want back. They blew games here and there. And that, to me, kind of reminds me of what MSU basketball is doing right now, or what they had done this season. That first game against Arizona, you lose on a – you lose on the last the coast to coast, coast to coast to last second. That's easy, easily forced into overtime, or you hang on for the win. Um, the game against Penn State that should have won that game. You should have won the game against. Uh, you should have beat Ohio State at Ohio State. There are games I look up and down that schedule that they should have. They should have won in it, I'm Northeastern. That all those games come to bite you in the ass now because think about it, what are they fourteen and ten. Yeah, you take those three losses or three losses, and you you're seventeen and seven, and you're looking at still being in the tournament, possibly you know that's number two seed within the Big Ten. I mean, everything fell into place that day too with Maryland losing. 
Yeah. And then you have you had a chance to slip into third place, I think. Because yes. Northwestern lost, Maryland lost, and things would have looked pretty good if you won a game that you should have won. Yes. On the road against a vastly inferior Michigan team that I mean that Michigan props to them they shot the lights out at the team that shot what, seventy something percent. I mean that doesn't happen. But when, but you gotta guard against it in a in a time where you know Michigan State or Michigan can get hot like that. And so you, you kinda wonder um what where's the motivation? Is it is it they're just that up and down? Do they not? Is it is it a chemistry problem? I you know because like football obviously has a chemistry problem. Or they did. You could see it on the field, and, and now everything's coming into light. Does MSU basketball have some sort of chemistry problem? Probably not to the level that football does. But with a lot of the times when your team doesn't click, especially in win games, it's it's based on chemistry. You can run all the scripted plays, but if nobody likes each other, or if they don't, um, if they they're not all in some cohesive mindset together, they're never going to accomplish anything. See, I from what I've seen from this team, nothing really indicates me to me that there's there's any kind of power grab or there's any kind of off-the-field issues or there's any kind of chemistry battle. To me, it just stems to the fact that they're young. They're a really young team that really relies on the younger guys. And, I mean, you look at it. Matt McQuaid is non-existent this year. I'm sorry, Aaron Harris has just been a non-factor. And, I mean, when your starting wing doesn't even score a point, doesn't even attempt at making a shot, how do you expect to win that game? I'm talking about Josh Langford right there. And what really irks me about this team is it it almost seems like they're just making excuses. After the game, they're just like, we didn't come out ready. We didn't come out prepared. How do you not come out prepared against your rival? How do you not come prepared knowing that your team is on the cusp you're on the outside looking in from making the ncaa tournament how is that not fire under your ass i mean you're you're on the outside looking in and it just it's so mind-boggling i does this team not want to be there and you ask them that and that's certainly not the case but every time you ask what's wrong with this team oh we just got to play better well, then stop making excuses, stop making dumb mistakes, come out like you actually want to play, and play the game. I would just like to say, too, that that start of the game there was just so bad. It just looked so entitled, you know. They beat Michigan, and they beat Nebraska on the road. Two solid, maybe good wins. Those teams, obviously two wins you should win, but they just looked entitled to start off. I mean, you mentioned the two worst game of basketball you've ever seen, but have you really seen such a bad half from a Tom Izzo team, though? They were, what, down, like, what? 26 points at the half. Yep. Cassius Winston's had something like five turnovers. They had four, I think, four shot clock violations at the start. Just, and then Nizzo said it too. You know, our buddy Connor wrote about it as well. They had scripted plays and just couldn't execute. They just came out entitled. They thought, you know, they were just, they thought they were going to see the same team on in a rivalry game, and they just kind of fell flat off of that. Oh, and, and let's not even forget about the flurry of technicals. And, of course, I think that's something you get out of the rivalry game because, really, those are the only technicals that have come out of this season. Is you, had a, you had a couple of them at the Breslin, and then you had them back at the Chrysler Center. But, I mean, Nick Ward, I mean, are you turning into Grayson Allen? Seriously, you, you, you let Moritz Wagner get the best of you? Come on, Moot. Like, dude, come on. You're, you're so much better than that. And to to just I mean from what I looked at it clearly kind of looks like he tripped him. Yeah. Oh, 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 for sure he did. Yeah. There was no there was no accident involved. He said a post in game. That, you know, you said it yourself. Yeah. He said After the game, he was like, he literally admitted to it practically. He he's like, even if I did, so what? What do you mean, so what? Yeah. 
That's that's a big deal, Nick Ward. And I, I asked Izzo about it on Thursday's practice or after Thursday's practice, and all he really had to say is I talked with him and I, I told him what I saw, and I'm going to leave it at that. So Izzo knows what went on. Look, there's a lot of things in the locker rooms and stuff like that where you, the rough and tumble stuff of a rivalry that Michigan State and, uh, and Michigan on the on the gridiron have always you know had jabs and whatnot. But you, you kind of think about um, uh, <laughs> Sweetie. Um, you, you think about it. I mean that that stuff like you know, that stuff happens in rivalry where you're pushing and shoving, but a blatant trip after the whistle where your guy's not looking. It's at the end of the it, half. Do it in between the. Do it, do it in between the whistles. You, you shove each other and whatnot. You, you, you do. I mean, you don't condone that as a coach, but at the same time, you, you want toughness out of your guys. But tripping somebody when they tripping somebody, the guy didn't even see, like Wagner didn't even see it coming. Like it, that's a, it's kind of a, a cowardly move on Nick Ward's act. Look, I get you're fed up with the guy, but there there are better ways to, to take it. Especially you know, there's there's just different ways to take out your anger. You give him an elbow in the middle of a play where you can't get caught doing it. I will say, too, though, last game at the Brosnan Center, um, <clears throat> Wagner and uh, Ward were kind of getting at it in each other. I was kind of disappointed to see Ward, you know, go for that trip. Like, if you're going to get back at somebody, just go through their play. And I'm not saying Ward played awfully, but it's not like the entire team. You want to know how you get back at Wagner? How about you don't let him drive the lane every freaking time that he's trying to score? Or let him shoot a three, just an open three. And yeah. MSU has been so bad at defending I, the three-pointer. Just out, oh of, out of... All of Wagner's seven baskets, one of them was a three-pointer. The rest, they were either easy jumpers that Nick Ward could have blocked, or he drove the lane, and he just kind of came out of nowhere, peeled out, beat the screen, and he got to the basket pretty easily. And, you know, all the credit to Wagner. He's been playing a solid year as a sophomore, I believe. He's, you know, grown a lot ever since his freshman year, but Ward has really just got to know his role there, you know. There's only two big men, realistically speaking, goings in him, and he's just got to play better out there. And I think you look at the at the rest of the schedule for this team, and the magic number in my mind to get to the tournament is twenty wins. I, it's getting tougher and tougher to to get to twenty wins if you're MSU. There's only a handful of um, seven lost teams in I think recent memory that that go nineteen and seven that that even get to the tournament. Um, and and I mean maybe the committee will kind of scratch Izzo's back just because he's been there all those years, but. I wouldn't expect anything. I wouldn't expect any favors. And you, you look at Iowa, they've got um, the, the leading scorer in the conference. Iowa's not too bad. They're 6-6 six and six in conference play. Took Minnesota to double overtime. Not a bad team by any means. That's a very winnable game for the Spartans at home. But And, it's, you know, that's a must-win at this point. You can't really drop too many. I mean, really, every game is a must-win. The, the games that you can almost chalk up for sure as a loss right now is going to be Wisconsin, going to be Purdue on the road, going to be Maryland on the road. And I, I told you on Sunday, I liked MSU's chances of playing Maryland well on the road because I, I don't think Maryland's that, that necessarily proven of a team. That They don't have the strength of schedule that I think other, other kind of premier guys in the conference have had. But well, I, Wouldn't it be fitting, just total Izzo-type move if – they won those games they weren't supposed to win. Like I, there's no basis for that at all, and I'm not going to support <laughs> yeah. that argument. I mean, but kudos again, to them. What they, the hell? That would be so fitting. I could see that happening. Do you if, know what I mean? I don't think it will, and I would put that at like a 2% chance. But you know how fitting and stupid a year that would be if that happened? 
Yeah, I like I, like listen. <laughs> he goes in, wins those games, and then wins like two or three games of the Big Ten tournament. And doesn't win it, but gets you know quarterfinals or so, or semifinals, and they make the tournament because that would be pure Izzo at this point. I mean, I I because that's how the stupid ass year is going. Twenty sixteen was a stupid year for upsets, teams that weren't supposed to win. Hillary couldn't win. I mean, just think about it. Syracuse made the final four and they were barely in the tournament. Were they like a 10 seed or like a 7 seed? Or what are something? you talking about? Syracuse. Last year? No, they didn't make the final four. They, no, they got, they, no. Sweetie. Sweetie, come on. What are you doing? Time you're on a podcast, Wait, bud. When was <laughs> I think it was the year before, wasn't it? Was no, it the year no, it wasn't. No. I, I don't well, think Syracuse. You know what, Sweetie? Now look what you've done. Yeah. Now that we're following it into a hole, we'll let Sweetie deal with that. But anyway, kind of getting back to it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be playing Peter Jock, who averages almost 20 a game. And uh, quite frankly, look up and down the schedule. I'd find 20 wins. And it, hey, if, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first to own up to it because I'm that type of guy. But until then, until I see some better improvements on from rebounding, I mean, your team had six offensive rebounds. Six. Hmm. This team has no presence once they get a shot off, to try and get it on the rebound. They just hope that it goes in all the time. And, you know, good for them for shooting 50% for the game, and you shot 60% in the first half, but when you play defense that allows Michigan to shoot 75% in the first half and 73% from the three-point line, you're just you're not going to win those games. And like I said, it just it, I, it irks me so much that – they the after the game they just say that they're not prepared. I don't understand how you can not be prepared and yeah, that, not be prepared at this point in the season. Yeah, if you're not prepared at this point in the season, in. if you're not prepared to play in the the rest of the Big Ten slate, then I mean I don't know what else to say. They to don't you. deserve the tournaments. Exactly. Like you said. I, <laughs> this team is not deserving of a Big Ten. No, have fun or uh, of an NCAA bid. Have fun getting into the. Uh, or have fun going to the NIT, buddy. Exactly. And I'll <laughs> send you a postcard live from Vegas. Right. I'll write my own version of Fear and Loathing. I mean, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys got something there. For the record, Syracuse did make the Final Four last year. Final Four teams were Villanova, Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Syracuse. Wow. And Syracuse I was a 10 seed, I would sure? just like to say. Yeah, I, I mean, Wikipedia wouldn't lie, I believe. Uh, I guess so. you're not For the wrong. record, I wasn't <laughs> wrong. We all know Wikipedia is a very reliable source. And um, I guess you're right. It just doesn't seem right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, Suichi. I apologize. I specifically remember it because I think the women's team made the final war too, and then Twitter was being insane about it. So, yeah. You know. So well, you never know. I mean, Izzo made the final four as a seven seed a couple years ago. So, I mean, as long as you make the tournament, which is up in the air, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's just been something that's on my that's been on my chest ever since I uh, covered the game and – I don't know. It's it's this is the one time of the week I get to vent all of my internal demons, I guess. So uh I got another rant coming up for us and it's about a dumb rule about my favorite sport that could be uh on the way. Um and we can get into that a little bit after the break. Welcome back, everybody. Casey Harrison taking you along on a Friday afternoon uh, here along with Stephen Olshansky and guest uh, sports desk editor, the famous Suichi Tirada. Uh, I prefer infamous, for the record. You know what? I, I saw this article on Deadspin 
the other day. Ooh, Deadspin. And uh, Dead, Deadspin, I, I like it. They've got some good quality news there. But uh, there's a rumor. Actually, it's not a rumor. It's kind of been confirmed that in Major League Baseball, th- there's talks that to speed up the pace of play in extra innings, they're going to start with a man on second to, to begin the inning. And so there, there's going to be a trial run in the Arizona Fall League and um, the, some, other, some other minor league affiliate. And so that, they're going to try that. That's going to be a test run this year. It, it could just eventually be scrapped, um, but it could eventually trickle its way up to the major leagues. And I think that's a dumb idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, that's like starting with a hockey. Like, you're starting hockey overtime on one of the opposing team's blue lines. <laughs> like, what are yeah, you? that would be pretty dumb. Uh, you've got yeah. a man on second. It like takes starting, a leadoff hit to win the game. It would be like starting um, You'd be starting with on a power play in overtime, and you get the face-off in the other team's zone. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that'd be really easy. And then it's like if you're playing football, you win the coin toss, you're already in field goal range. What's right. the point of that? Well, if one point, if you, there was only, I guess it would be depending on if you were talking NFL or college football. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> well, like, NFL, if they, they're like, oh, overtime, home team gets the ball uh, gets the ball on the 25, and all you have to do is score a touchdown to win. That's just four plays at the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I, I mean, seriously, that's, it, I don't understand why you think that's a fathomable thing to even <laughs> implement in a game. I looked it up, and according to the Hardball Times, Ooh, I like them. and this was an article from 2014, so it could be a little outdated. I think the numbers are still relatively the same, but only 9.3% of all games went into extra innings in the 2014 season. So if you're trying to speed up the pace of play, why are you only concerned about 10% of your games? <laughs> that makes no sense. What does make sense is not stepping out of the batter's box, the pitch. Actually enforcing the pitch clock. Yeah, the pitch clock was a good idea. I like that. The pitch that clock one. is a very good idea. Yeah, it helps the you know the pitcher's rhythm too, just because you gotta keep going pumping and chunk. I mean, a couple years ago, watching the Tigers, Alfredo Simone, oh my goodness. He just took so long between pitches and you're just watching and like, is this guy ever gonna pitch again? You oh know, yeah. The pitch clock was a good idea. For yeah. the record, I am a fan of it. Exactly. It's it's really good. Um and, and just the, all the other things that go into pace of play, the the two and a half minute or not two and a half minute, but like 40-second commercial break, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean... Minute and a half, I think. Um, all of those things, those are things to go in the right direction. And I don't know why pace of play is such a big di- like big deal in, <laughs> in only baseball. I mean, did you guys watch the national championship game? That game oh, was yeah. almost five hours. Yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, college football, all the big primetime games, I remember MSU Oregon, our freshman year, 8 p.m., kickoff and then i got back home in my dorm at like 12 30 just because yeah. it was a four-hour game and i was like oh my goodness i was asked for an inning for four hours can't even go get drunk after at that point exactly <laughs> for the 21 and over crowd for the, you know for the record <laughs> well, i mean i guess you could depending on who you are but. i think i think the one Canada, sport but. that does a really good job at having a good pace of play is basketball and i i don't really know about the Except nba for the final two minutes yeah don't give me that yeah final two minutes takes like an hour like, I'm literally watching, like, what was, like, game seven this year? It was, like, the last two minutes was, like, 20 minutes, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, but, like, but it, in overall, yeah. And especially in college basketball, too, because... Oh, uh, tournament time's the worst. Oh, well... I mean, it's the best, but the worst for that. 
Mark yeah. Manus. But, I mean, as of right now, I cover a game. Two hours later, it's done. And then add another hour for the press conference and talking to players. I'm on my way home. And so that means for, like, the average layman, like, you're done. I mean, it's a very short commitment for watching a game. And you can chill out, have a beer, and then sip on your cold drink. And then by the time the game's over, I mean, hey, you still got t- daylight left. You can you can actually be a productive person. But uh, the, all the other sports, I, I don't really know about hockey. Hockey is kind of there. It's, it's a little bit of a time-consuming sport. But well, that uh, just goes yeah. because there's 20 minutes in each period. Right, and then there's practically 20 minutes in between each period for them to clean the ice. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, yeah, hockey, no, probably not the most fast-paced in terms of watching, no. But it's, it's very watchable. It doesn't, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like game seven or game, like, five of the World Series where one, or one inning takes an hour and right. the game itself is five hours long. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the good thing about hockey, too, is if you, don't, if you have two teams that know what they're doing that can really play, um, you won't have many whistles during the period. So, you, I mean, 20 minutes can go by in 20 minutes. We have, I, we've, I've literally witnessed a game where there were, like, two whistles in the first period. So they literally had, out of total time out of 20, it would be, like, 25 minutes. So, And could you imagine what the World Series would have looked like this year if they would have started with a man on second already? Well, my Cubs would have won quicker, so... <laughs> I don't know about that, because Rajay Davis... Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole Rajay Davis thing, you're sitting here in misery right now every time I just say the hey, word wait, Cubs. I don't have to be in misery because... Oh, well, yeah, but I don't have to anymore. I don't even have to think about that, because my Cubs won. Yeah. So I'm going to be insufferable. I don't even care. I mean, you've been insufferable. Good. I've I've had the displeasure of years of nothing. I've had the displeasure of being with you on this podcast for an entire school year now. All right, buddy. We'll we'll take this out back after, I guess. Out back at B Dubs, and you know there is there is a little bit of a skill too in scoring in in the extra innings, or I guess in the seventh, eighth, ninth, late in the game, especially against the good relievers. The Tigers had a pretty hard time with it too, just because they were uh, station by station offense, as a lot of people called them. You know. You know, and putting a man on second would just kind of take the beauty away from him because, you know, manufacturing a run is kind of a skill, especially for teams. That's that's what makes baseball such like a it's – a, it's more of an art than it is a, a, the science because it's so hard to – especially in, like, if you're trying to do it with small ball, I mean, you get a guy on base, bunt, get him over the second, sacrifice oh, gets in the third, <laughs> and, then, and then you rely on your guy to get a home. <clears throat> Yeah. And that I mean that's that's the way baseball is meant to be played. It's it's like they say it's chess on grass, and it's it's not meant to be just this quick game that that everybody you know it's it's not just a game that's two hours long and then you get on with your day. There is a certain beauty too when you know somebody gets a walk, they get the second on a wild pitch, bunt him over the third, and get a, get him home on a sack fly. You know, there is a certain beauty to that, and that's what you know that's what makes baseball baseball. And after a hundred. Hundred some years of it, it probably shouldn't change like that. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I don't really think there's that much more to talk about. Nope. Um, besides that absolute garbage pile that was on Tuesday, um, twenty-one turnovers. Could you believe that? Cash has had what six of them. And Ooh. this this Michigan State team lost by twenty-nine. Do you know how many points they gave up off of turnovers? Like thirty. Thirty. Mm, there it is. I will so, say uh, though. 
That's I think that's your key number to look for. Um, if they can cut the turnovers down. And that's another big thing. I mean, this team just turns the ball over so much. They're averaging like 13 or 14 a game, I'm pretty sure. Oh, jeez. Um, I'd have to check the game notes just to be absolutely spot on about that. Don't but that fatal. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's roughly 13 a game. Um, yeah, this is the team. And they're going to get better with age, too. I mean, I, I sounded pretty critical, but... It, it, they really are. They're just a team that doesn't know how to play college basketball right now. They're they're a, I mean, their four main players are they were once at one point the best in their respective leagues, and now they're playing with a bunch of guys that were as good as them or even better, and it it's just growing pains, and it it sucks that you might have to miss the tourney one year, to to fully understand what it means to be a really good basketball team. But in the long run, hey, it could it could serve as you know motivation for this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, even looking at next year, they're probably going to be pretty good. You got Schilling, Bag, you got Jaron Jackson, and you got Xavier Tolman, and those are kind of all big guys, four or five players that you know you can just slot in behind Nick Ward or Kenny Goins, who's going to stay as well. So I yeah, mean, down the road they'll be fine, I think. Just this year is kind of a mess, just because the upperclassmen leadership just has not stepped up whatsoever. And I, I, the the big thing that I've been hearing too, just from like people critiquing um, this team so far and not really getting a big look at this team um, close and personally, is that Izzo they they don't think that Izzo can coach the one and done type players, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't quite frankly agree with that. You don't know you can't lead a team with the one and done players because there is an art to that, and those are left for the Calipari's. For the Coach K's of the world, yeah, they do a damn good job at it too. So, and I mean, yeah, D- Devontae Davis was probably or Deontay Davis. Davis. Um, Deontay Davis was probably um, a little underutilized, maybe. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you can't really say that though, yeah, just because you don't know how he was playing in practice. And I, it's apples to oranges with Miles Bridges because I think Miles Bridges is that much better of an athlete than yeah, D.D. Yeah, I mean, since preseason but, when I covered the games, Izzo said over and over again they were going to run the offense through Miles. So. And and I mean, you you had so much more depth when you had D.D. Oh yeah, you actually sure. had a four man and you had a five man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that yeah. that were like their respective. You know, your five man was actually a big guy. Um, yeah, I mean, Costello, Schilling's out this year. <laughs> Wallman's out. Wallman graduated, obviously. And, you know, there were also transfers that left the program, too. Marvin Clark was a big man, but he left. But, yeah, I mean, this team looks forward to uh, playing Iowa on Saturday. Uh, you can look for the uh, the preview, the state news preview, written by our wonderful Connor Clark. And uh, I did just get a text that it was done. So Oh, good. Look for it tomorrow morning, friends. Perfect timing. Or it's, actually, yeah. Yeah. Like Friday morning, yep. Yeah, Friday morning. So I think that'll wrap it up for this show. I know Steven's going to be busy Friday night. Um, At Suichi's party. Yes, because happy birthday to Suichi. Next Tuesday, big old 20. I can't drink yet. Beat teen pregnancy. Legally. I mean, not yet, but. Almost there. I mean, let's not jinx it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Friday night oh, Friday no. night could be the oh, killer. No. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> Steven. I think it's time to leave. All right, let's cut that out. (laughs) All right, everybody. um, I'm going to say have a safe and happy um, weekend. And with that, I think we will see you later. See y'all.